Luke chapter 2 if you've got it, all right? Now, so far in our story, we've had some wonderful journeys through the Christmas uh, story, haven't we? We've gone through uh, a couple of scenes. Now, the first scene was Zechariah and Elizabeth. And Zechariah and Elizabeth were the parents, or yeah, were the parents of uh, John the Baptist. And um, they were very old, and she was past bearing children, and yet an angel came to meet Zechariah in the temple when he was working for the Lord in the temple as a priest. Um, the angel said, your wife's going to have a baby. And Zechariah means the Lord remembers. I'm just going to say it because, you know, I've run out of Mars bars to give to people. <laughs> and uh, so the Lord remembers. And Elizabeth means my God is oath. Now, you guys remember it anyway. It's well done. And so the, the angel's name was Gabriel, and that means... God's strength. <laughs> anyway, so God keeps his promise. God remembers. After 400 years of silence, he came and he, he remembered and he kept his promise. And uh, they conceived. But it wasn't without a hiccup. Poor old Zechariah was mute for, for 10 months. So Elizabeth had her prayers answered. Ha, ha, ha. Husband can't talk for 10 months and she becomes pregnant. You know, so everybody loves Elizabeth. So they end up having the child. But in the meantime, we have this beautiful little scene where Mary meets an angel. Now, Mary means rebellious. Well, it comes from a Hebrew, an old Hebrew name, Miri, which means rebellious. Okay, so Mary uh, means rebellious. And we could see that she isn't rebellious at all. In fact, Mary is the epitome of faith, of real, decent, childlike faith. If God said it, I believe it, that settles it. I'm the Lord's maidservant, she says, or handservant, or whatever it is. She believes God, but her name means rebellious. It's interesting because all God expects from anybody who's rebellious is faith. Even Vladimir Putin can be saved if he comes to God in faith, in repentance and faith, believing that Jesus died for his sins on the cross. Anyone, anyone can be saved. In fact, that's what the angel said to the shepherds. We, we, we found last week. It's a good news that brings great joy for who? All people. All people. Um, so yeah, Mary and um, the angel. And so the angel says to Mary, you're going to have a son and he's going to be God. He's going to be the son of God. All right. In fact, the same angel meets up with Joseph in Matthew's gospel and says, you're going to call him Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. And the angel, when he speaks to Mary, says, you're going to name him Jesus. So isn't it, don't you think that's interesting that the angel would say that to both parents? I wonder if God really wanted this baby to be called Jesus. Anyone know what Jesus means? The name Jesus? Yeshua or Joshua? God is salvation. Yeah, God is salvation. Or salvation comes from God. But literally it means God is salvation. God is salvation. And last week we saw the, um, the fruition of the promise given to Zechariah, where, uh, not last week, the week before, um, the John the Baptist was born and then he was able to speak again. So it's a lot of miracle after miracle after miracle. And last week we looked at the birth of Jesus and we were reminded, as I said earlier, of uh, how God is king, provider and saviour and how that is, that is shown in the birth of Jesus Christ, that God wants to be the king. In fact, he is the king, but he wants to be 
enthroned on people's hearts as their own personal king, as their own personal provider, as their own personal savior. And we finished the story with the two different kinds of worshippers. We've got Mary and the, and the, uh, the shepherds. Mary's internalizing things, pondering them in her heart, storing up what God's trying to say to her in this whole thing, in her whole life. Amazing, amazing woman. And the shepherds, extroverts, praising, glorifying God and telling people about what they've seen and heard. And so we get to today's reading, which is fairly long. So um, <clears throat> you've got your Bibles open to Luke, 20, uh, Luke 2, 21 through to verse 40. Okay, it's long. So I'm going to try and summarize it as much as I possibly can. All right. Because I think there's something in here which is super important. Have you ever heard the saying, you can't see the forest for the trees? Yeah. So here, there's a whole lot of forest, right? There's a whole lot of, sorry, trees. There's a whole lot of trees that look like stuff, rituals, programs, um, ceremonies, prophecies, information, a whole lot of stuff. But I want us, I think, to look behind it all and see this beautiful backdrop of what God might be trying to say to us. Well, he certainly has been to me, and I'd like to share that with you tonight, if that's okay. Do you mind if I do that? And then we can have a chat afterwards. If I'm totally wrong, you, we, can, we can have a talk afterwards. But this is what I thought is amazing. You see, what we have here is um, the title in the NIV Bible that I've got is titled Jesus Presented in the Temple, right? And so um, this, is eight, this is happening eight days after his birth. Um, and it's not in the temple. In verse 21, we're not in the temple. Okay, we're still in Bethlehem in verse 21 tonight. Okay, on the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise Jesus or him, he was named Jesus. And then that's the name that the angel had given him before he had been conceived. He had to be called Jesus. It was really important that he got called Jesus because Jesus means God is salvation. That's really important to start tonight's message off. God is salvation, not being baptized, not going to church, not praying, not even believing that God exists. The demons believe that. Not being confirmed. They're all good things, right? You know, going to church, praying, uh, getting baptized, um, you know, believing God exists. They're all good things, but they're not salvation. Each one of us... Um, need to know tonight that God is salvation. Salvation comes from God. And so that's the first bookend of this message tonight. Here we have Jesus in a ceremony of covenant. All right, on the eighth day, a male would be circumcised. This is the removal of flesh. This is awkward for me too, people. But this is the removal of flesh. Now, this is symbolic of a promise that God made to his people and to all people everywhere that God would remove sin. Now, not flesh from your body, but sin from your heart. So a lot of the Old Testament prophets talk about having a circumcised heart, all right? That God would remove the sin from our hearts. Oh, how good is that? 
I remember the day when I realized God had removed my sin. Like, and I'm, and I'm still sinning, but he dealt with it. And I'm like, wow. And a weight literally felt like it lifted off my shoulders as if something had been removed. And here we have this covenant ceremony here. And the one who is having something removed <laughs> is going to be the one who is going to be doing the removing. Does that make sense? Of our hearts, sin, on the cross. He won't be using a scalpel or whatever they use. He'll be using the cross because he is Jesus. God is salvation. So beautiful. So then, then we, we cut to verse 22. Now, in between verse 21 and verse 22, there's like 32 days. You don't see that in the Bible. You won't. Because this is a day, this, when it says, when the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem, from Bethlehem to Jerusalem, to present him to the Lord in the temple, as it is written, the firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. Okay, now because Jesus wasn't a priest, although he kind of is, but he wasn't born in the priestly line. He's from the tribe of Judah. All right, this is just for the scholars out there. John the Baptist is from the tribe of the priests, right? But Jesus was from the tribe of Judah. Now, whoa, wow, this is a lot. But when God delivered the Israelites from Egypt, he, he delivered them all into the promised land, right? Free. It's a picture of God saving us from our sins through Jesus, right? Going through the sea and to the other side. But when they're on the other side... The, the setup of the temple needed, needed some workers. And they became that the, the tribe of Levi became the priests and the temple workers. And in a sense, they were consecrated to the Lord already to do work. And so every other tribal member had to take the firstborn male from their family or from their um, flocks or, and Consecrate it and dedicate it to the Lord. Literally. And they had to pay a certain price. They had to pay a certain price to redeem that firstborn back. Now, it's a picture because in order for the Israelites to be free from Egypt, the firstborn of all of the Egyptians died. And the ones that from the Israelites who had the blood of the lamb poured over, the, poured over their doorposts, the firstborns lived because of the blood. It's, it's so much there, it's too deep, but there's a little bit of a, bit of a picture there of what's happening here with Joseph and Mary. They're taking Jesus to dedicate him because he's the firstborn male from the tribe of Judah, all right, from, um, from um, yeah, the tribe of Judah. Anyway, so 40 days of, um, after his birth, this happened. This happened 40 days after because Mary had to get back into her regular cycle. Does it make sense? So she was now clean to go to the temple. Okay. It's amazing. God put all these rituals and, and regulations in the Old Testament for the benefit of people to keep them healthy, to keep them clean, all that sort of stuff. They didn't have all fancy hospitals and stuff like that back then. And so God knew that and it was for their benefit and for their good. Um, I like eating bacon. But did you know God told the Israelites not to eat bacon? 
And I'm like, I oh, know we can eat whatever we like. Everything's clean now. We're told that. But like studies have shown that bacon actually isn't that good for us. <laughs> I was like, ta-da. Well, maybe God had a clue when he told them not to eat bacon. Anyway, so here they are in the temple doing this ritual 40 days after the birth of Jesus. I want you to notice here the terms law, regulations, um, uh, yeah, keeping with the law of the Lord. Like there's so much of that happening here. There's rituals and regulations, right? So it says um, they were going in to sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord in verse 24. And then in verse 25, we see now there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon who was righteous and devout. What's his name? Simeon. Yes. He was righteous and devout. All right. He was good in local sphere and he was good with worshiping God. That's what that means. Like he was righteous in the social aspect. Like he was a good guy. Like, you know, didn't do much wrong at all. He, he was such a good guy, you know, and he was devout. He worshiped God. He honored God in everything that he did. Right. This is Simeon. And, and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the consolation of Israel basically means the comfort of Israel. He was waiting for Israel to be comforted by God. Now, it's an interesting statement, particularly because we see the next few words here. It says, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now, Jesus says the Holy Spirit is the comforter. In fact, he says he's, an, he's another comforter come. And so if Jesus says he's another comforter coming, what is Jesus? The comforter. And so here's this man, Simeon, righteous, devout, and he's in the temple and he's waiting for God's comfort to come upon Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it says in verse 26, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. See that? They're all obeying the law. Mary and Joseph are doing exactly what God wants them to do because it's in the law. Now, I, I don't like laws and I don't like people telling me what to do. But these guys are doing exactly what, they don't ask questions. They just thought, if God says I've got to do it, I've got to do it. And so here they are obeying the law and they're in the same place as the Holy Spirit wants them to be as Simeon as the Holy Spirit wants Simeon to be as well. And so here they are, and there's this divine encounter between Mary and Joseph with their child and this man called Simeon. Right, very important. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. Ha, just stop there. We, Josh, when Josh was little, we went to South Bank one time uh, in in Queensland, Brisbane, and uh, there were some Asian people, right? I'm not sure what part of Asia they were from, but they were very Asian. And they saw, they took one look at Josh. Josh was not the handsome, rugged looking man that he is now. He was a cute little baby. And they were just besotted, weren't they? And they wanted to hold him. They wanted to take our child away from us. And we had never met them. We didn't even know what their name, we couldn't speak the same language, but they wanted to hold Josh. That's <laughs> so weird to have that happen. And I relate to this. Here's Joseph and Mary in the temple. There's this devout man called Simeon. We're not told that they know each other or not, but yet he takes this child in his arms. What's the child's name? Jesus. Jesus. What does Jesus mean? 
God is salvation. Right, so he takes this child in his arm and he looks at the child, right? Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you can now dismiss your servant in peace. In other words, I've, yeah, oh, in other words, for my eyes, he says in the next words, my eyes have seen your salvation. God is salvation. Not, not just God brings salvation or, or he, is the, he is the God of salvation, but he is salvation. Here is God in, in person, right? Which you have prepared in the sight of the people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. So that's for everyone. This is the saviour for everyone. And so the child's father and mother, now this is Joseph and Mary, right? Joseph is legally the father of Jesus. Here's another law. See, Jesus' biological father is the Holy Spirit because Mary conceived through the Holy Spirit, not through Joseph. But Joseph legally is Jesus' father. So here we are, have another legal matter. The law says that Joseph is the, the, the adopted father, I guess, of Jesus, right, legally. And so the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against. In other words, he's just going to be a, a huge light that will expose everybody and it'll It'll make them stumble or it'll make them rise. Um, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. There's no escaping it, right? And he also says, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. So Mary will come to this experience of her own self saying, realizing her need of a savior and watching her son and, and go through ministry and coming to that point herself where she says, He's, he's my son, but he's actually my God. He's my creator. You know, that beautiful song, we're going to hear it next week. Uh, Mary, did you know? You know, he's the great I am. This little baby that she's holding is the creator who spoke the universes into being. And so um, he says this to Mary, which is, you know, it would have rocked her boat. And there happens to be also in that place, in verse 36, you see, there was also a prophetess named Anna. So not only did Simeon, a man, prophesy, but Anna, a prophetess, prophesied. Here we have sons and daughters prophesying, like Joel 2.28, if you're taking notes. Um, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Um, we had Elizabeth and Zechariah, the parents of uh, John, prophesying. Um, sons and daughters, not just men, but both together. It's, it's really poetic. Uh, here's Anna, a prophetess, right? Um, Anna, remember that. The daughter of Phanuel, remember that, <laughs> of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, just so happens that she was there too. She gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. This is great. This is so much going on, right? So much going on. So we have Simeon and we have Anna. Anna is the daughter of Phanuel. All right. And we've got a lot of rules and regulations and boxes being ticked. Okay. And then we see at the end in verse 39, when Joseph and Mary had done everything what required 
by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. Here is the, the boxes of the law being ticked. Right? Jesus came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law so that you and I don't need to fulfill the law except by faith in him. We enter into all that Christ has done. Even in his passive state as a child, Jesus fully, fully obeyed. Fully obeyed. Like he didn't need to be circumcised because his heart's pure. Right? Even later on down the track, he didn't need to be baptized by John the Baptist because John the Baptist baptized for repentance of sins. Jesus didn't have any sins to repent of. But Jesus said, for, for righteousness sake, you got to baptize me. Because Jesus was doing what? What you and I couldn't do. Be perfect. And so Jesus was fulfilling every legal requirement, even, from, even as a baby, even as an eight-day-old and a, as a 40-day-old. He was legally ticking the boxes for us. And when Mary and Joseph had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. Anyone know what Simeon means? You see, I was thinking, this is all the trees, right? And the background is amazing. I didn't really think about it until the Lord slapped my face this last week. All right. So we've got two people in the temple that prophesy over Joseph and Mary and Jesus, all right? And their names are Simeon and Anna. Now, I have a daughter called Anna, and her name means grace or favor, right? Grace. And she is the daughter in this Bible. <laughs> my Anna is the daughter of Ian, literally. This Anna is the daughter of a guy called Phanuel, which means the face of God, right? So anyway, face of God. Here is a man looking at the face of God in a baby and prophesying. And this man's name is Simeon. And Simeon is the same as Simon. And it means listen. Listen. So this is the message for tonight. If, if you, if you, <laughs> whew, Jesus was born, right? In a stable. We, we learned that last, last week. Um, and Christmas time is about how God visits us. Um, but if we listen, it's about grace. Just listen. It's about grace. Everything, everything in your Bible is about grace. If you listen, Simeon means listen. Anna means grace. And I see a whole lot of human beings doing law in this space, but it's all to point to that salvation comes from God. And it's grace. It's just grace. God is gracious to all of us. It's amazing. And, and, and even this passage finishes with verse 40, talking about this child who is grace in person, basically. God's gift, God's, God's favor, God's undeserved gift. In verse 40, it says, And the child, speaking of Jesus, the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. God's favor was upon him because he could tick all the boxes that you and I couldn't tick. I think that's beautiful. Even in his passive state as a baby, being carried around, God's in control. 
And you and I, we have a saviour who, who, who is God, our salvation. The face of God in person. And now next week, we're going to celebrate Christmas together, like um, as a church on Sunday night. But uh, you're free to go on Monday to be little missionaries, to be gracious, to share that grace, the, the wonderful story that God is a God who remembers. He keeps his promise and he forgives the rebellious ones who have faith. And salvation doesn't come from anyone else but him. It's his grace. It's his gift to us. The greatest ever Christmas gift where he removes the sin from our hearts. And I just see a God who's providing that in this beautiful story here. So yeah, the, the forest, the trees from the, what is it? The forest from the trees? The forest is grace. If we listen, listen to his grace. And in fact, the whole of Luke is really just, you know, if we listen to God through it, um, it's all about his grace revealed in different ways. So um, I might just um, leave it there for you guys to chew on. <laughs> Um, but isn't it great to know that we have a God who loves us that much? That he's in control even as a 40-day-old baby. Father, we thank you so much for your great love for us. We thank you for the amazing gift of Jesus. And Lord, we honour you, Lord, tonight, just of how good you are, how poetic you are, how wonderful you are, that you gave yourself to us, that you revealed um, who, yeah, what your heart is like. Father God, in a person who was perfect. God, fully God, man, fully man, as saviour of our sins. And so, Lord, we thank you again for that reminder tonight that you forgive us and that your grace saves us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.